0: Bringing European SaaS together was the initial premise for Talk. Even in its first year, we outgrew that proposition with attendees from over 30 countries, making it a global conference with a European heart. Talk will be returning to Dublin in October 2022, and our super early bird tickets are on sale now, saving you 400 euros. Grab yours by visiting sastock.com forward slash sastock- 2022.
1: we've shown that it's possible to bootstrap a company right and bootstrap it to a size where many people are saying how can you have seven figure AR with three people that doesn't sound possible but it is right if you have the the right team and and especially a strong engineer right I think that's that's a need to have in in that kind of world right like somebody who can really build a strong product that's user friendly but I think we've seen that uh, you can do that and that's been a big takeaway for me is like you can really use the product to drive growth without having to hire a bunch of sales
0: or, or customer success people. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, Esben Fries Jensen, uh, Chief Growth Officer at Userflow. Welcome, Esben. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Good to have you uh, on the podcast. And uh, yes, yeah, so we, we were just discussing that you you are uh, now a month in Colorado, and it's, uh, uh, it's quite a nice place, um, uh, yeah. somewhere I've never been. So enjoying yeah. that?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been traveling around the US since the pandemic uh, started living in the countryside instead of in uh, San Francisco, where I'm normally based. Um, so it's been nice.
0: Do you think you can make, is it going to be, have you found a favorite spot? Is it Colorado because you've been there for a month? Will you go back to the Bay Area?
1: Yeah, I think I'll go back to the Bay Area, but uh, I, I really enjoy the nature and especially Colorado and in, in Utah. But yeah, the US has a, a lot of beautiful places, uh, so it's been it's been great to explore those and all the national parks and so on.
0: you don't sound american esben. um there's a there's a distinct accent there uh, that I, <laughs> that i'm picking up. um but we, we can probably get into that uh, as we ask the first question, you know, who is esben free Jensen?
1: yeah, uh, unfortunately i haven't lost my danish accent yet, but yeah, i'm originally from denmark. um have lived in the us for the last 8 years. um where we, I originally moved here because I founded a, a company called Cobalt uh, together with three other Danish uh, guys, uh, and then I just stayed around. Um, and then recently I I, I joined the uh, uh, Userflow as a co-founder. Um, and and uh, yeah, uh, so it's been a, a fun journey. Um, but yeah, the Danish accent I still uh, have very much. <laughs>
0: And, and why? So you, you're a second time SaaS founder, Cobalt company. Uh, I mean, we we know well uh, at SaaS stock, but we we also kind of live in this bubble where we know a lot of SaaS companies, and I think not, uh, you know, not all of our listeners you, you know follow SaaS as uh, um, I, I guess kind of you know as intensely as we do. Um, but uh, but you were there at Cobalt for a good number of years, eight years or so, uh, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. and, uh, but now moving on to SAS number two, or is it, is it number two? Have you done more before?
1: No, this is number two. So Cobalt was my first startup. Uh, and, uh, yeah, today, uh, a 200 plus people company. So a lot bigger than when, when we started. And, uh, I, I really liked the early days of building companies. So that's why I, one of the big reasons why I decided to, to leave Cobalt operationally. I'm still involved as a, an advisor and, uh, to, to do user flow instead.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I also love the early days. I mean, just like we, SassDoc, we're in our sixth year now, you know, and we were growing, you know, sort of like uh, scaling, but then because of the pandemic and our, our, our core business was conferences uh, that obviously had a, a quite a, a negative impact. So like last year, we then had to do a lot of innovation, you know, pivoting to online and new product creation. And it kind of almost felt like, you know, back in year one, uh, again starting, and starting and I kind of realized like oh how much I really enjoy this kind of you know period you know compared to like you, you know that bit more sort of mature uh, stage but um, uh, yeah. a, a little uh, anecdote there but so so with the, with the second uh, SaaS company user flow why did you found it you know what's the problem that you're solving?
1: So uh, originally it was started by my co-founder actually Sebastian but the reason we started the company and the, also the reason I decided on joining is that uh, there's this whole product-led growth movement at the moment. That's one of the big reasons, uh, but but also in general, um, user onboarding in in software is a big challenge that many SaaS companies face today. Uh, so basically, they have they might have amazing products, but they have a challenge in getting adoption of those products and also guiding the user to see the value as fast as possible. Um, so those are the like the key things that Userflow Userflow helps on. Uh, So with Userflow, you can basically build uh, in-app guides, uh, product tours, uh, and surveys uh, inside your product so you can better onboard or uh, show users new features and so on, uh, or ask them questions. Uh, And it's all done in a no-code fashion, which means that customer success managers or product managers and so on can can build these flows without having to involve engineers. so that's always been the big kind of challenge, right? Is that uh, onboarding is super important, but uh, this other feature we're building is just that more important, um, and and that's what developers end up focusing on, uh, and that then uh, deprioritizes the onboarding, which is super important for conversion and trials and and adoption and retention. Uh, but now with Userflow, you can basically have your customer success team or product team build the flows instead
0: very cool and and so you mentioned sebastian was like let's say the the first founder or the, the original founder yeah. how did you find sebastian how did you how did you two connect oh so
1: sebastian was actually one of the first customers of cobalt uh, back in the days uh, and he's also danish um, so so that's why we connected and he lived in san francisco as well so we became friends and then got to know each other better over the years. And uh, Sebastian is an amazing engineer. Um, he, he is really like a, a unicorn engineer. Uh, and he, he started out by building actually another product um, that was more like video kind uh, of recordings of demos. And then uh, as part of that product, he had built a product tour uh, and everybody was asking, how can we get that kind of product to her instead? That uh, seemed like a cool product. And then uh, he pivoted. Um, so he's, he's been building on that product for the last, yeah, uh, two and a half, three years. Uh, and I joined uh, one year ago uh, basically to help grow the business uh, and take some of the learnings I had from growing uh, the business in Cobalt and taking them with me uh, into user phone.
0: Very cool, uh, and it's about it's Sebastian the CEO then, and you're the the, the yeah the CEO. I'm the
1: I'm the chief growth officer. So Sebastian is uh, the special role of a CEO, and he's also the guy building all the stuff. So he's the CTO CEO. Uh, very probably not the most normal thing you see in SaaS yeah. startups, but it, it works for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, like, often it, it is the case that the, the the developer you know becomes the CEO, and at some point they need to give up the developing right um, or, or that role. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, I think we've seen that at, at many a SaaS company and, and user flow, uh, what data can you share about the company in terms of, uh, how big is it now? Like any revenue or growth statistics and, um, yeah, what, like how many people, et cetera, that sort of thing, funding.
1: Yeah. We're, we're very special companies in many ways. So we are part of this whole new, as well as we're part of the product led growth movement. We're also part of this new movement where more and more startups are bootstrapping uh so we are a completely bootstrapped uh, company uh and we are actually just the two founders and then a freelance uh, designer so uh, and he works part-time so like two and a half employees uh but we have seven figure AR uh, we have close to coming up on 400 customers um so yeah uh, the business is doing really well uh, but we've kept the team uh, very small uh, and lean uh, so Having the product really drive a lot of the growth um, and
0: retention. C- congrats! That's uh, uh, th- that's amazing. Like two yeah. and a half employees and seven-figure uh, seven re- revenue. Uh, um, so what? Like I'm I'm assuming that uh, and, and great. That obviously that you that you're bootstrapping, but I'm assuming some investors' emails do come into your inbox and like, we want a meeting. Um, but you're you're just this time we're bootstrapping. Is is that it?
1: Yeah, uh, that's how we're doing it. Yeah, the funny thing is uh, when you're saying no to investors, they seem more interested, right? And uh, yeah. if you really want to raise money, they're not so interested. <laughs> so um, but yeah, we get a lot of emails uh, and right now we're just saying no. Uh, we do speak with them sometimes just to understand their view on the market. Uh, right. But but in general, we we say no to to all kind of interest in investment.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we had um... Nathan Barry on the podcast, the recently, and he owns ninety percent of ConvertKit, and they're doing twenty nine million ARR, and so, you, you know, he's do, doing pretty well, right? And yeah. there, there, isn't, there isn't a real need. to...
1: I also think Mailchimp is an amazing example that just got acquired, right? Like bootstrap yeah. from day one and a billion dollar company. So yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. You, you can do it. Well, good. Uh, I hope that you, you stick to the bootstrapping for as long as as long as you can, and even if that, uh, that email comes in from Tiger Global tomorrow for 100 million. Um, you, you know, it, it, you walk away. Uh, but uh, uh, let, let, let's see. Good stuff. And uh, so and, and to the chief growth officer role, why that? Did you do that before uh, at Cobalt?
1: So at Cobalt, I was uh, the person who helped build uh, both sales and customer success. Uh, and over time, my role uh, kind of became uh, like a chief customer officer more. Um, I think in this new uh, Uh, age uh, you could say like you could argue should i be the chief revenue officer or should i be the chief sales officer and so on but really in a product-led world it's really about growth and 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 kind of growing in other ways than than the people kind of driven sales and customer success and that's why we kind of ended up on chief growth officer being the best name for that kind of role um so i'm very focused on on uh, not necessarily building a sales team or customer success team and and these kind of things that i did at cobalt but instead uh looking into how can we grow in other ways uh, how can we make the product the main uh, kind of growth avenue uh and so on
0: uh and so this is what i guess i want to dig into so like um so 400 customers seven figure revenue two and a half people like what secrets can you share or lessons can you share? Like, what have you been doing to grow the company, you know? And let, let's yeah. learn a little bit about what's worked. And clearly, there's a lot yeah, that. I think,
1: I think we, that? Called, we have a, a unfair advantage that both Sebastian and I did a company before, right? So we have, uh, we, of course, we were not like uh, like super bankrupt or anything like when we started the use flow, right? Uh, and that, of course, helps. Uh, when we started Cobalt, we we were... We didn't have that kind of money uh, to kind of, uh, so it, it was a different game. And I think when we started Cobble, we needed investment money more, right, um, to pay ourselves salary and so on. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, that that's of course one unfair advantage. But then, really, the the way we've been driving the growth is through the product, right? We are just really super focused on building the best product possible. Um, so that's number one thing, like really build the best product possible. Listen to your customers. Listen to when customers are having UX issues and fix them. Instead of hiring people to answer how you should do something, then fix it by improving the product to to be better, right? Or if you cannot do that, then make like a help article or something like that 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 will make them self-service support. Um, So that's a big part. And then the second part is, of course, using something like Userflow. Um, where you automate uh, things like onboarding, right? Like in, with Userflow, we are, on, uh, we are automating like the kind of the, the, the onboarding towards the famous aha moment. Uh, in our case, it's the re- realization that they can build a flow themselves. Uh, that's really like the, the key aha moment and we drive them towards that as quickly as possible. But also using other automation like email automation and stuff like that really automate as much as you can um, to to drive uh kind of uh, both trial conversion and retention at scale um so that's how we can do it um uh, with with a very small team
0: and, and what about in terms of uh, acquiring these customers so obviously having a great product is going to help you get product market fit which you you yeah. clearly got um but how did you acquire these first customers um you, you know what were you doing given that yeah, the, very,
1: the very first customers we got through uh, product hunt and and friends right like that that was like the early days um and a lot of those have left since then because they are small right typically and they they they're also like early stage business and some of them go out of business unfortunately and so on right but mm-hmm. so that was the first customers but then over time uh, we started adding Google ads so we are in the lucky, unlucky situation that this is a red ocean market. as uh, so we have a lot of competitors, but for us, it's actually a good thing. It means there's a, a high uh, kind of uh, demand for that kind of product and people are searching for it, right? Um, and what that means is that you a, a thing like Google Ads is actually very valuable because if people are searching for your product, uh, then, then you can make yourself found through ads, right? And uh, so that's been a big part of our initial strategy. And then now that I've joined and so on, it's uh, becoming increasingly like thought leadership, SEO uh, content and these kind of things to add to that um, uh, uh, motion, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so so it's it's been a mix. Uh, I would say in Cobalt, uh, the funny thing was, and that was eight years ago. And I think to this day, they're still relying on it. Uh, to, to a large extent, of course, they have a, a lot of word of mouth, and we also have that at user flow over time. You get more and more word of mouth, right? But we relied a lot more on outbound, right? Like basically like connecting with people via emails or LinkedIn and so on. And it was a much more effective mechanism back then. Today, I think outbound is having a lot of challenges. Uh, it's a lot easier to get or a lot harder to get through uh, the noise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like email is almost impossible. LinkedIn, uh, that was the magic tool for a long time, uh, has now also become a noisy place, right? Um, so, so it's becoming increasingly hard to, to do outbound. So you have to be creative and do outbound in other ways. Uh, for instance, through communities on Slack and these kind of things.
0: What about, like, has there been some stuff that you've tried, like, I guess, as chief growth officer, you, you may have experimented on, on certain things and channels that just simply hasn't worked for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we tried email outbound, actually, we have an automation engine. Uh, but we're seeing so low uh, kind of response rate on that. Um, and, and it's interesting, right? Because we know there's an interest in the market, because people are searching for it, right? Like we get a ton of inbound from ads and SEO. Uh, but then when you write them an email, uh, it cannot be right that they're not interested, right? Like if you write uh, product managers and, and you know there's an interest in the market, but none of them respond back. And that for me shows that that channel is just too noisy, right? Like it's, um, yeah, people get too many spam emails and maybe Google is also becoming better at filtering that kind of stuff, right? Um, so, so I would say emails which was a very valuable channel eight years ago when we started Cobalt, is, at least in my opinion, a, a less valuable channel today.
0: And, uh, and moving on, I guess, to the point that you have maybe, well, let's say an unfair advantage, but certainly an advantage being a second-time founder, right? So that mm-hmm. part of it was capital because the, the money um, that you, you've earned through, uh, through Cobalt and building that company to 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps with the bootstrapping, uh, and you obviously then have a lot of knowledge that you you've acquired over eight years of, of building that business. But what we what will you do differently uh, with Userflow? Um, keen to know. And I think
1: the the main thing is really uh, having this core focus on product-led growth, right? I think we had that in the beginning of Cobalt, but uh, over time we realized, and I think it was especially because we were creating a brand new vertical kind of industry. Um, so there was a lot of education, uh, in the market. So it was more blue ocean. Uh, of course there was all the incumbents, right. But that doesn't really count in that kind of world. So there was a lot of education to be done. And in, in, in a world where you need to educate customers, it's a lot harder to do product led growth. So that's why I think we ended up building, uh, and more and more sales, right? Like we, we built a sales team, we built customer success we removed self-sign-up, right? We had self-sign-up in the beginning, but we removed that. And I think many SaaS companies have gone through that journey uh, to as they move up market and so on, right? And move up pricing and so on. Uh, But this time, we're not going to do that with Userflow. We are, uh, and and I think it's also partially, of course, we're in the red ocean, but also uh, the fact that we are just so focused on, we want this to be a pure product-led kind of motion, right? Like, um we want to continue on how we can empower the self signups the the self-retention and and these kind of things and I also think the market has matured a lot more right SaaS has become a normal thing uh which it wasn't like uh, you would say so it wasn't SaaS a normal thing eight years ago no not really right like it's matured a lot um in the last 10 years um and uh, yeah so I think the market is also more ready and and some some people are talking about what's called the end user era, right? Where you the end users have the power, and that means you you need to build great products that the end users like. You're no longer selling to executives, where where they just look at the the return on investment kind of numbers, KPIs, and this kind of stuff, right? Uh, they actually look. You have to look at the product.
0: What about um if you if you're happy to share maybe any mistakes that you made kind of first time around that because you've made those that you won't repeat again hopefully
1: yeah no it's so funny right you make many interesting mistakes over time, but it's not like I never felt in couple we made like any huge mistakes right it was like all iterations and and we mm-hmm. learned and 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 so on I think. A big learning is always around pricing, right? Like, uh, I think we started way too low on pricing and I think Sebastian did the same when he started Userflow. For the value you're giving, uh, you, should, you should value your product more, right? Like, and I think many SaaS founders are in that situation, especially early stage where they they really put the value of their product too low. And actually the perception then from your customers become that this is maybe not a high value product, right, uh, if it's too so cheap. Um, so so I think that that is one learning uh, that, that I'm taking with me is pricing, that you, you can put your pricing higher than you think, um, uh, and you should not underestimate the value of your product uh, for sure. And then the other learning is also, I mean, I'm and maybe that's just me, right, like I'm not a, uh, that's maybe why we're trying to keep the team small. I'm not so sure that it always h- helps you grow faster to hire a bunch of people, right? Um, I think it worked in Kobold's case and it's a very successful business, but it also had its complexities, right? And you, it became a lot more uh, focused on building the organization instead of building the product, right? And and that uh, I think we're trying to do a bit differently. I, I won't say Kobold did it wrong because I actually think we did it the way we, that worked for us then and, and, and Kobo is as mentioned successful, but this time I just wanna to try to see if it's possible to do it in another way. Uh, and I think that's that's another big thing I'm taking with me.
0: Yeah, uh, very cool. Um, what about, I mean, we, we probably covered a couple of these in terms of advantages that you have a second time founder, we mentioned capital and obviously there's the experience uh, that you have, uh, anything beyond that, anything that you would add to kind of these two things?
1: Yeah, I think, It's funny, right? Like um, how perception matters. So when when we started COBOL, we were four Danish founders who moved to Silicon Valley and nobody knew us, right? And we had an amazing product, but nobody like listened to this, uh, like uh, would listen to us, right? So it was very grit, a lot of grit and hard work to get customers kind of like one by one. And then some magic happened when we hired uh, Caroline Wong, who's a thought leader in the security space. Then suddenly everybody listened to us and like now it's an amazing product. Right. Like uh, and she was saying exactly the same things, but she had a lot of voice in the industry. Right. Um, And I think now as a second time founder, you have a lot more voice. Right. You have a lot more to say. People will listen a lot more to you uh, because of your experience. Right. Uh, So it's also fair that they listen more to you when you have experience. But that's, again, an advantage that second time founders have that you have a a a bigger audience right you can speak to more people and and get your your
0: product out to more people any disadvantages of being a second time founder
1: uh probably not actually (laughs) i would say there's so it's no i I think it's actually you learn so much building style and as mentioned Kobo was our first startup right so we learned so many things like um we had to learn sales we had to learn customer success we had to learn automation so a lot like a thing like automation right that was like an iterative process we did in Cobalt but now I can just you know off the shelf do I know how to do the automation that we did in Cobalt right so that saves that saves me a ton of time and it's the same with Sebastian because he's built uh, companies companies he knows exactly how to build like the baseline SaaS product right um and and that speeds up things a lot right um so so yeah, I think there's only advantages to to having that experience uh, really uh, I don't see any disadvantages at such
0: in if we just sort of round up maybe a couple of the key takeaways from your experience to date with user flow, what would you distill them down into like you know a couple of points?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, what do you have in mind, like uh, like experiences with of what we've seen, or, or or kind of like? Yeah, well, I, I we... guess in,
0: in this time round of building the company from you know from zero to the 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 yeah uh, yeah no, I think, I think the...
1: we we've shown that it's possible to bootstrap a company right and bootstrap yeah. it to a size where many people are saying how can you do that right like how can you have seven figure AR with three people. That doesn't sound possible, but it is right if you have the the right team and and especially a strong engineer, right? I think that's that's a need to have in in that kind of uh, world, right? Like somebody who can really build a strong product that's user friendly. Um, but but I think we've seen that uh, you can. You can you can do that, and that that's that's been a big takeaway for me. Is like you you can really use the product to drive growth um, without having to hire a bunch of sales or, or customer success people, and it's really a mindset that you think product first instead of thinking we should hire somebody to fix this, right? Um, so that that that's a um, that's probably the biggest uh, uh, takeaway uh, for me.
0: What what about? Um either any advice you've been given like over the years that you feel would be shareable or just any yeah, advice no, you think, could share. I, I um, think
1: that's the amazing. And especially on our journey with Cobalt, right? We met so many amazing advisors and, and investors. Um, uh, we were part of uh, an accelerator called Boost VC in in the Valley who's uh, led by Adam, Adam Draper. Uh, and he has, a, he's really good at like coining terms, uh, like be the cockroach and uh, you know uh, stay focused focused on one thing. I think that's also super important and something that we, when you have a great engineer like Sebastian, he can build everything right. So it's su- super important to still stay focused to keep a clean positioning, uh, and we are highly focused on user onboarding. Right, we could be focused on employee onboarding for like Salesforce or whatever, but we are not, right? Like we stay super focused on customer user onboarding for SaaS businesses. So so that's another big one uh, uh, I think um, uh, I took with me. So the focus thing I think is super important. And then the last thing is just don't over engineer things, right? Like really keep th- and that's probably a learning more than a, an advice I've gotten is like there's a tendency to try to over-engineer every single decision, every single thing, and especially when you are like in a sales-led world and trying to become more product-led, you're you're like debating all sorts of things, like should we do this and how do we do this perfectly right? But really, what you should do is iterate and learn, right? Like do simple improvements and iterate and keep it simple. Don't try to build like um, Super complex things. Uh, I see it all the time with Userflow, right? The, the the customers who are most successful with Userflow are actually the ones who start out with like simple kind of uh, usage of it, right? Maybe a simple onboarding checklist with some simple flows, and then over time they can make it more kind of advanced, right? But they shouldn't start out with the advanced uh, setup. Uh, then then it becomes hard to maintain and so on.
0: Awesome, uh, some great advice there. Uh, and yeah. I guess kind of finally, Esben, where where can people find you online and where uh, can people uh, check out user flow?
1: So I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, so you can connect with me there. I'm also on Twitter, is FJ. Um, and uh, I'm also very active in a community called productled.com that has a Slack community for productled growth. Very good community. Uh, then... Uh, for for Userflow, you can uh, go to Userflow.com uh, very easily, uh, and we have a 14-day free trial, uh, and you can build a flow without involving engineers. Um, when you actually have to deploy it, you have to install a small piece of JavaScript. But when you do the trial, you can use a Chrome extension and and get started right away. Um, so, yeah.
0: awesome, good stuff. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing with the SaaS community. It's uh, been great speaking to you, uh, Esben Friis Jensen, uh, CGO at U- Userflow, uh, and, and best of luck with uh, continued bootstrapping.
1: Thanks, Alex. It was my pleasure.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOc conferences around the world.